Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And on today's show, we talk interest rates with Chris Raymond from Unconditional Finance. We talk about what do interest rate rises mean to you as an investor and also as a homeowner, how you should be thinking about this time in the market, what opportunities may exist for you as a property investor, um, how you should be thinking about your debt strategy and your property strategy. We covered a lot of ground. We talked about you know some of the facts that are going on in the market, but also also some of our own personal opinions on what we think is going to happen in the market as well. So I particularly uh, enjoyed this episode. We did a little bit of forecasting into the future, which by the time you listen to this, you're going to know whether or not we were correct. Um, but I'm pretty confident uh, on, on where we think things are going. So um, if you have any concerns about what interest rate rises mean for you, then this is the episode that you need to listen to because it's really great. We, we covered a lot of ground and um, we debunked a few myths in there as well. So without any further ado... oh. Actually, before we jump into it, if you have any questions that you would like asked and answered on the show, you can send those questions through to til at dashdot.com.au. That's til at dashdot.com.au. Send us through any questions you might have about your own personal property strategy, what's happening in the market, or anything you just want to know um, that we can talk about on the Investor Lab um, that could help other people as well. And of course, if you've enjoyed this episode, then or if you enjoyed this podcast in general, then please share this with a friend, family member, or loved one. That's how, we, that's how you can help us. The goal of this podcast is to empower you to be a better investor. And uh, if you can empower somebody else, then that is going to mean the world to us. So without any further ado, let's get stuck into it. And I'll see you on the inside. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Investor Lab. Joining me on today's show is Chris Raymond from uh, Unconditional Finance. Chris, we're going to be talking today about interest rates. We are. The topic of, uh, I think, everybody's conversation at the moment, politicians, it's in the media. So uh, definitely a, a topic or a good topic to discuss today, Goose. Totally. So as we record this episode, it is the 3rd of June, right? I don't usually normally kind of date stamp this, but it's kind of hyper relevant in, in the context of the current conversation because um, last month there was an interest rate rise, right? And, and that I think has triggered a lot of property investors in particular and, and home buyers and put their heads into a bit of a spin. And the reason I thought we, we could date stamp this episode is really interesting is because there's going to be another interest rate announcement next week so one week from now which is actually going to be after this podcast uh, sorry this podcast episode is going to come out after then so we're we're gonna so so we're we're very tight to a kind of a a decision point there but we always record a little bit in advance so mate i'd love to um i'd love to get your perspective though um obviously we had an interest rate rise last week and we've got look I, i would actually love to get some insight from you because as far as what i can tell is banks are actually raising interest rates faster than much more than the uh rba is raising interest rates so mate do you want to talk about do you want to talk about where you, how you see the landscape from your perspective? 100%. Yes. Um, yeah. So I guess last or the first Tuesday of, what are we, May it was. So we're yep. in June at the moment. So yeah, so that was the first RBA increase since 2011. So a lot of people, a lot of our investors, a lot of listeners on the podcast today, it's, you know, they haven't actually seen that before. They haven't actually you know, gone through a rate rise. Um, so that was quite interesting. You know, that was mainly driven, you probably read a lot about it in the media and things like that. It's mainly driven by the inflation rate. So inflation is obviously the cost of living, the cost of, you know, expenditure, um, and that's quite high at the moment. So that's what drove 
the initial interest rate hike. Um, now, like you said, Goose, we've date stamped today's podcast and obviously the RBA is meeting again next Tuesday. Um, interesting commentary around the industry, you know, around what they're going to do. I personally think they may go again. They may increase rates again. There's sort of commentary of, you know, 25 points, 40 points, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of sort of, I won't say concerned clients, but we are getting a lot more calls now uh, almost on a daily basis, Chris, do I look at fixing loan, our loans? You know, we're on variable at the moment. What's what's the fixed rate market doing? What's variable rate market doing at the moment? So there is a lot of activity in the market, but yeah, we'll um, obviously unpack that today. Yeah, I think it's a pretty interesting thing to point out there that, that it's the first time the RBA has raised the cash rate since 2011. So that's over 10 years, Correct. right? Yeah. yeah. It's over 10 years. And I think that a lot of people have kind of forgotten that because you're right. When you, if you have started investing sometime or buying property sometime in the last, um, you know, ten years or whatever, Correct. you have never experienced a time where interest rates have gone up. And I think that that is one of the key facts. Even if you have experienced it before, even if you're yep. a more, uh, you know, you've been investing for a longer period of time, it has been so long. I mean, Chris, can you tell me what you what were you doing eleven years ago? It's <laughs> a lot younger. Um, yeah, I wasn't. Oh, yeah, I was investing, but yeah, I guess basically you're probably looking anyone sort of, you know, 30, 35 years and below. They yeah. haven't actually experienced a rate rise. So it is. Mate, I couldn't is, even tell you, know, you what I was doing eleven years ago. I couldn't even tell you. I was like, I don't know. Like, geez, I'd have to really scratch my head and think about it. Like, what was I even actually doing? Was I tra- yeah. like? And this is kind of the point is like we don't even actually remember back that far, right? So, Correct. so Correct. Even, if, even if you're 50 and you were buying property back then, your internal kind of like psychology has just, it's been so long. Like imagine if you imagine, you know, 10 years, 10 years gap in anything, you're gonna gonna you're gonna be a bit rusty on how does this work again, right? And so Correct. the interesting th- thing as well is that the current cash rate as of today, so the RBA interest rate, so is 0.35%. Yes. Yep. <laughs> that is that is on a global economic and historical standard obscenely low. Like that is it still is. like it wasn't actually that long ago that it got it was the first time that it got down to 3.35%. Uh, that wasn't Correct. that long ago at all, right? And even and when that happened, everyone was like, "Oh my god, ca- the cash rate's going to zero. This is crazy." And but it was because the momentum was downward and we hit 0.35%, everyone lost their minds because they were like, "Oh my god, how cheap is the money?" But then now it's gone one step further and then one step back and everyone's kind of having a little meltdown. Which I think is yep. really interesting. Now, yes, you said another thing there that there's talk about it raising 25 to 40 points. That's 25 to 40 basis points. Do you want to just explain that so that people can understand like how much how much is that of a percent? Yeah, I mean 25 points is 0.25 of a percent. So yeah. it's still, you know, it's still not a substantial sort of increase. Um you know, I'm just looking at some data here. I mean, you know, on a sort of $500,000 loan, a 0.25% increase is around $69 per month, uh, yeah. um, you know, uplift on your, your minimum mortgage repayment. So it's still not a huge amount. Um, you know, there is commentary, the RBA may come down a little bit heavier, so 0.4%. Um, mm-hmm. My personal prediction is I think they will go a little bit more cautious. I think the RBA commentary is a little bit more cautious than what the banks and a lot of the bank economists are coming out with. But yeah, I mean, it's not an overall huge increase to your daily budget um keeping in mind mr client as well or you know clients that are listening today 
you know, the banks are stress testing you, you know, mm. around 3% higher than you're actually paying. So, yes, it's a little hit to your family budget, but in terms of affordability, the bank has already stress test you, you know, over, you know, a benchmark interest rate of around that sort of six to six and a half percent. So you can afford it. It's just obviously adjusting, you know, your family budget in line with those small increments. That's a really interesting thing you point out. And another thing that I think people are forgetting, right, is that you get stress tested about about three percent. Is it two, is it sometimes two percent or is it always three percent? It is three percent now. Yeah, it used to be two and a half percent and then after I guess four star. You know, the deposit taking institution. So all your major type first year lenders to, to you know, have a three percent buffer. So there is margin there. Um, and the bank has stress test you on that higher rate. So yeah, affordability wise, the bank says you can afford it. As I said, it it's, it's a bit of a lifestyle adjustment, but you know, for what it was $69 a month, it's not it's not a no, you know, it's not a huge amount of money. Totally. And that's really interesting, right? Because a lot of people, I think one of the things that people believe, right, if you if you listen to the media, Interest rates are going up and property prices are going to crash and all of that kind of stuff. Yep. Now, property price, it, now we also just heard uh, recently that um, nationally property prices have fallen for the first time since September 2020. Correct. Which is really interesting because actually yep. it's only Sydney, Melbourne, and Canberra that have gone down. All of the other capitals and all of the other regionals are still going up. So, correct. So, so yeah. And not only that, I mean, you're seeing it now, Goose. We're seeing it with our clients as well. I mean, obviously, that presents different opportunities. So yeah. a lot of our investor customers now are, you know, they're, they're moving to Perth to, to obviously buy properties. You know, South Australia um, is getting a look in as well. So, you know, with in- interest rate increases, yes, the East Coast of Australia may impact it or maybe impact it a little bit more, but mm. there's an opportunities for, you know, cheaper price points, you know, high-yielding properties, different states that haven't had sort of growth for, you know, Five ten years, yeah, a hundred percent. But one of the interesting things about that is people people I think psychologically believe that because interest rates are going up, it's less affordable, right? And all of a yep. sudden, everyone's going to have to start selling their houses because oh my god, the interest rates have gone up and they can't afford to hold their houses anymore. Yeah, yeah. But to your point, right? So there's like the most alarmist kind of like forecast that I've seen is that interest rates are going to go up two and a half percent. That seems to yep. be the outside one that I've kind of heard. But the thing is, even if they do go up two and a half percent, to your point, banks have banks have stress tested your ability to borrow at three percent higher anyway. So correct, even that shouldn't result in any kind of like massive fire sale on properties or anything like that. So it seems a bit of a it seems a bit of a weird one. That being said, why why so in, uh, banks seem to be putting up interest rates faster than the cash rate though. So what's going on there? Yeah, variable rates, no. So, I mean, obviously, on the back of last month's RBA increase, they did all go in, pretty much they all went into the line. There was a few sort of what we call third-tier lenders that sort of increased higher than the 0.25% increase, but the fixed rates have been obviously going up. Now, the fixed rate funding is a little bit different to obviously the variable rate funding, so that's part of the reason. Um, you know, I guess the banks are trying to forecast where fixed, you know, where the interest rate or the cash rate might be in two or three years' time, um, you know, Yes, there's probably a little bit of profiteering going on there. So people people in these times, Goose, I guess, get a little bit panicked. And, you know, it's like selling in a low market just through panic. It's obviously, you know, interest rates are starting to go up. I mean, to me, the fixed rate party, it, it left around six months ago, seven months ago, October, November last year. So what do you mean by that? What do you that- mean by that? Just for the, just to explain on that. What do you mean the fixed rate party ended? Oh, the fixed rate party. I mean, there was a lot of fixed rates in the mid to low 2%, you know, six yeah. or so months ago. So when I say the party's gone, I mean rates, the fixed rates have increased some one and a half to two and a half percent, depending on the lender and depending on the fixed term as well. So 
yeah, when I say the fixed rate party has left, yeah, people start to panic in these times and they start to look at fixing in a higher rate. This is where we need to do a comparison. You know, longer term over two or three years, is it better fixing in at an interest rate that's, you know, some 2% higher than what they're paying at the moment? Or do we look at ways, you know, variable might go up a little bit, but I still think longer term you, you would be in front in comparison to the current fixed rates. So there's, there's little things like that. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, right? Because there's two factors in there. There's like, what is the risk? If I, if I go with variable, what is the risk that the interest rates are going to rise and I'm going to potentially end up paying more money, right? But there's also, if you go fixed, what is the opportunity cost of, of access to capital? Because when you fix it, you, you, you know, like you're fixing the term of the loan, you can't refinance, you're going to have to pay break fees and stuff like that. That's right, yeah? Correct. Yeah, and, and I guess you lose a lot of flexibility. So, I mean, at the moment, we are still, I guess, recommending. Major- I mean, every client's circumstances are different, but the majority of our customers at the moment, we're still, we're still recommending variable. You know, you're looking at at least 1.3, 1.4% higher for the one-year fixed rate. You're looking about 1.8, well, you know, sort of up to 2% difference or margin between the current variable interest rates to the two-year fixed rate. So, it's going to take a lot of RBA increases over that two-year or three-year period to actually catch up to that fixed rate. And not only that, I think you touched on it just shortly before there, Goose, you lose a lot of flexibility with fixed mm. rates as well. Additional repayments, you know, it's not as, I guess, liquid if you wanted to sell your property. You can't easily refinance if you're fixed in with lender A, but lender B comes back with a high valuation as well. So they're all things to factor in. Um, mm. And part of the reason, you know, the majority of our clients, we are still recommending, you know, look at the variable rate market. Yeah. And the other thing you got to think about that is like, realistically, how long do we think that interest rates are going to go up for, right? Because interest rates are only going up as a response to inflation, right? And it's only to try and curb inflation, right? So that it doesn't get out of control. Now, I went and had a look at um, interest rates uh, for the last, or since 1980, right? So we had a look, when I look back over it, and I had a look at all of the times that there was an interest rate rise. Yep. Uh, and I don't, I haven't got the data in front of me because I did, I did this analysis a couple of weeks ago, but I'm pretty sure it was like the, the average or the maximum kind of time was like two years. That I think it was actually like the maximum time was like two years that they went up for and then they went down again because it's, it's actually in the best interest of the country to have a growing economy. And that actually is best stimulated by, by you know, lower cost of capital and all of that kind of stuff. So if That's you really think point. about it, yeah, historically, it's like it's one to two, maybe, you know, max three years would probably be the outside that the interest rates go up for. So then you've got to, got to weigh that factor in there as well. Correct. Yeah. And I guess people listening today, it's in the government's and the RBA's best interest. I don't want your house price, you know, to diminish value by 30, 40, 50%, you know, their interest is, I mean, obviously it's going to soften a little bit, but obviously they want the economy growing. They want more jobs. They obviously want, you know, they want the economy, um, you know, sort of standing on its own two feet. So they don't want to increase interest rates too aggressively and they don't want to increase interest rates over a long period of time. So, yeah, I've got my thoughts in terms of sort of the time period. Like I think interest rates will, will sort of, increase on and then i think what's going to happen i think the economy then may start to go into recession you know interesting government yeah like i personally think the next sort of 15 to 18 months um there will be rate rises how high that would be i mean you know throw a dart at the dart but but i think anywhere between maybe you know an additional cash rate increase of between sort of one to one and a half percent i think for the next 15 and 18 months the economy will start um you know, falling into a uh, recession. And what I mean by that is 
people become concerned. They stop spending. They yeah. stop going to shops. More businesses suffer. Well, it's two, 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 two quarters of GDP, negative GDP growth, right? That's all, that's all we're talking about. We had the, yep. we've had that recently, right? That wasn't, yep. a big, wasn't a big issue. Yep, yep. And then I think in sort of 18 months, you know, maybe to two years' time, the government's going to be forced to cut interest rates again. So what we don't want our clients to do is, you know, they've locked in at a 5 or 5.5% or 6% interest rate. And I saw this in my early breaking days, six or seven years ago, people panicked and locked in at 7 and 8%. And then obviously the variable rates were sitting around 3 and 4%. And I mean, the break cost just to get out of them was, you know, astronomical. You're looking at, you know, $10,000, $30,000 in some instances. So as I said, I mean, every client's circumstances is different, but speak to your broker um, let's weigh up what is best for you and yeah at the moment um, um when we're recommending variable and I, I think the time period for rate rises is between that sort of 18 months to two year period personally yeah so, and it's pretty it's pretty interesting right that you that you that yeah your view is that we might go into recession because a lot of people hear recession and they think oh my god this is going to be so bad i mean but pragmatically we've had like you know a ton of growth and in fact like for property for, for property investors that actually isn't really going to matter anyway and i mean you you said obviously you you use the words obviously things will soften a little bit in reference to property prices i, I think is what is what you're referencing uh, there but very interestingly um i have been doing some pretty deep analysis on the uh on the whole interest rate thing yep and uh property uh, real median sales price growth, right? So the percentage rate of change, not not median sales price, right? So not the prices, but the growth rate, that goes all over the place, right? And it's completely uncorrelated to, uh, or generally uncorrelated to uh, interest rates. However, in all of the times that we went into a negative uh, growth, right? Negative growth rate, which means actually property prices have gone down, Right. All of those correlated with a time where interest rates were also going down, not up. <laughs> so the only times in the last in the last thirty years where um, median median gro- median growth rate has gone negative has correlated actually with the time where interest rates are going down, which is really interesting, right? It is. And it's really truly fascinating. And yep. yeah, I t- I. I I think that um, one of the reasons that people get so freaked out about it is because you have in the media, you have a lot of economists and stuff saying, uh, oh, yeah, interest rates go up and property prices go down and all of this kind of stuff. And, and the economists are the ones that get a lot of airplay in the media. Now, I was having a bit of a think about, I was having a bit of a think about, I was actually talking to Gabby about this this morning. And I said, it's absolute nonsense. She said, well, why do people believe that? And I said, well, okay, because mostly it's economists that are saying that this thing's going to happen. And economists see the property market the same as they see the financial markets, right? Which is just not the same because in the financial markets and the financial sector, like business and shares and all of that kind of stuff, as interest rates go up, profitability goes down, values yep. go down right that's that's the yep. that's the impact right so if you look at the yep. stock market correlation with interest rates yeah interest rates go up stock market goes down generally speaking yep. right but yep. the thing is real estate is not the same as the financial market and so you've got these people you got these people making commentary based on it being a type of market that it is not and therefore that's why they get it wrong which i think is a pretty interesting what do you think about that no, I don't completely agree. It does correlate with the share market, that you know, obviously business as well. So keeping in mind, I'll have a, a sly little dig there. These are the same economists that were predicting 15 and 20% decreases in property values across Australia, um, you know, as COVID obviously hit as well. So, yeah. you know, um, and it is, uh, it's, it's, it's throwing data at the dartboard. I mean, you look at each different bank, 
their chief economist has a different opinion on what's going to happen. So uh, my advice to our listeners, don't read the papers. You know, <laughs> seek seek advice from your, uh, your your property experts like Dashdot, yourself, Goose, and obviously yeah. your brokers. And, you know, make sure you've got buffers in place. Make sure your loans are actually set up correctly, you know, to navigate this, you know, this uh, what I'll call a small interest rate rising period but yeah, yeah just 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 get everything checked over so would you know like the the last time the interest rates rose um by two percent property prices property prices doubled in many parts of the country right this is the thing that people don't people don't get right so no, no. Um, i think it's yeah i mean i mean with interest rate rises as well comes buying opportunity yeah. so i think now is the time in the next few years one or two years where you could really purchase good properties in good suburbs in good states um and when the you know obviously when the hopefully the interest rates start coming down again in 18 24 months time consumer mm. confidence comes back you know your first home buyer market comes back um the investors you know not the professional investors but the mum and dad investors come back in the market you know obviously overseas immigration you know the the buying opportunities that you create for yourself in this you know small period of time over the coming years is going to set you up for you know, good it's a, growth. It's a really good. It's a really good point, right? That is yep. a really good point you made, and I'm going to expand on that a little bit because, yep. like, from what I can say from the coal face, right, is that um, what is being said in the media is absolutely not true. It is still ridiculously hard to buy properties in the places that it is worth buying properties. Correct. <laughs> you know, like the buyer activity is still high. You know, like things are still like most of the country is still, you know, still cracking, just cracking on. Like nothing has changed, yep. but. The interesting thing about what you just said there is the buying opportunities and who's going to return to the market, right? So, yeah. From, from and I'd love to get your point of view on on this as well. So, from my point of view, right, interest rate rises affect homeowners more, right? Because Correct. investors they have the income coming in on the property, and what typically happens uh, in uh, when interest rates go up because of the serviceability buffer that we talked about earlier, that three percent assessment rate, right? If the interest rate goes up, that means the that means the the rate at which you're going to be assessed about whether you can borrow, also the bar bar gets lifted, right? So for people who are trying to enter into the market as a homeowner, right, that actually makes it harder to enter the market because the completely agree because the bar's yep. been raised, right? Yep. Now, if also we have a housing shortage in Australia, which we yep. do, then yep. that pushes more homeowners to continue to rent, right? Which actually pushes more pressure into the rental market, which absolutely also drives up rents, right? And Correct. so if you are buying to invest, then actually it works out to be significantly advantageous. But then what happens, right, is that as interest rates go down and rents stay the same or continue to go up, but they probably won't go up as fast. They'll probably, you know, they generally re- revert to the mean, Right. But then homeowners push into the market, and homeowners drive homeowners drive markets more than investors do statistically anyway. So, for an investor, this is like prime opportunity to get into the market to be able to capture that opportunity. And then, as interest rates fall again, and homeowner homeowners are able to push back into the market as well, then that's going to push up prices even further. So, I'd love to hear your point on that. I mean, you'd probably have data. I know my portfolio across Australia, it's um, all, you know, rents have gone up 10, 15, 20%. All my, all, yeah. pretty much all my clients, Chris, our rent's gone up. And, you know, can you check our serviceability? The other point to note there as well, Goose, is all investment debt is interest only investment debt is tax deductible as well. 
Mm. So investors, you know, like you mentioned before, it's more the owner-occupied market that feels the impact with any rate rises. Yeah. Yes, all right, as an investor, your rents are rising, which is good, but any investment interest debt on that homeland is tax deductible anyway. So, yeah, it, it definitely has a less of an impact for the investor market. Totally. So if you're a rent investor, this is like, you know, this is great, right? <laughs> As long as you've as long as you've got a secure lease, because right? rents could be going up, but it could be a good opportunity for people to be thinking like, okay, with all of the remote work, and we we're actually just talking about this before we uh, before we came online. Yep. What a, what an awesome opportunity to maybe assess. Well, where am I living, and am I living my best life, and could I move to somewhere else potentially where the rents are a little bit cheaper, right? And you know, do a you know move to, and this actually is also what is driving markets all around the country and why regional markets are still performing strongly, right? Yep. Because because people have got that optionality to move around and rent somewhere else and then continue to invest. So yeah, Correct. I I think this is a I think this is an absolute golden opportunity. <laughs> I think this is a really golden opportunity. Because the other the other kind of part of this is the inflation piece as well, right? And Correct. so yep. you know, we, we're talking about how the interest rates uh, interest rate situation is actually creating opportunity. But the yep. other the other secondary effect is the only reason interest rates are going up in the first place is because inflation is high. And if inflation goes up, property prices go up. Like that's like there's a yep. direct there's a direct correlation between interest rates and 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 property prices. So yep. you know, getting into the market now has got the double whammy effect that your property prices are going to continue to go up and also you're going to likely going to be cap- capturing higher rents. Which is pretty Correct. interesting. So what advice have you got for people that might be like a little bit concerned about kind of you know, like, have you got any other kind of insights or anything from your your side of the coal face? Yeah, I mean, get, get you know, speak to your broker. Yeah, get your interest rate or get your portfolio checked. In terms of, there's a lot of incentives at the moment to refinance. There's a lot of incentives to even go back to your own bank and negotiate or get the broker and negotiate on your behalf. So, you know, ask yourself the question: Are you still getting the best deal for yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, you know, look at your portfolio. One thing we do as well is, you know. Are you maximising your money in the best possible way? Yes, there might be a rising interest rate environment, but we often see a lot of clients that have got their owner-occupied debt, they've got two or three properties, they've got it all on principal and interest repayments. Is that maximising your portfolio or your cash in the best possible way? And we would normally say no to that. Your accountant would say no to that as well because ideally you want to be paying down that non-deductible debt, that bad debt, which is your owner-occupied debt. So that home loan where you live, that's the debt you ideally want to be paying down. And um, whilst you have that debt, you want your investment portfolio on interest only in most on most occasions. So little things like that, if you are concerned, speak to your broker, review your interest rates. Are there little things like that that we keep that bad debt on P&I and we switch the investment loans from principal and interest interest only as well? Yeah, because the secondary effect of that, right, is let's say you own a principal place of residence, right? And we'll call that the bad debt, right, as yep. you put it, because yep. that's not, there's... It's non-income producing, non-tax deductible debt. Uh, tax right? deductions. So Correct. it's you know it serves a it serves a purpose, typically an emotional yep. purpose, right? And and that's fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you know owning a home and everything like that. It's all good. Everyone has everyone has those kind of needs. Um, but in practice, if you can then uh, put your your investment portfolio on interest only, and I'm not, you can give that advice. I can't give that advice. But if theory, mm-hmm. in theory, theory. Uh, if you did do that, then you're actually going to be maximi- maximizing your cash flow from your portfolio. And then you can use that cash flow to pump that back into your principal place of residence to actually pay down the non-income producing, non-tax deductible debt, which, can actually, which can actually then improve your serviceability because you, you haven't got that kind of black hole on the balance sheet 
Exactly. Um, so then that actually becomes a bit of a, a cycle and another way to win. Completely agree. And we, and we see this daily. So it's about, you know, in, in times like this as well, it's a good opportunity to pause, have a look at your portfolio, have a look at your home loans. Um, are your debts structured in the best possible way, like we just mentioned? So not only from a cash flow point of view, to pay down the bad debt for, you know, maximising your tax deductions, um, but also cash flow. Obviously, yeah. interest-only debt on investment is you're going to be paying less each month in comparison to principal and interest. So if you are concerned, reach out to your broker, reach out to your banker, reach out to us and, um, you know, have a review. Let me let me ask you a question. From your personal perspective, not advice, but just you, your personal opinion, would you put your property investment portfolio on interest-only forever if you could? Uh, no. Why? And why? No. And at what point? And this is just um, your personal. I'm after just a, your personal opinion. Yeah. At what point would you consider, like, because it obviously makes sense for a period of time, but at what point would you consider, um, in theory, switching it to PI and why? And yeah. why? Why wouldn't you go just interest only forever? Yeah, good question. I mean, what we just spoke about the good debt and the bad debt. So, like my scenario. I have bad debt. I have an owner-occupied debt. So, yeah. you know, I'm I, I'm maximizing my, I guess, cash, my rental income. I'm getting everything. So all my rental incomes are going into that offset against the bad debt where I live. That's the only P&I debt on my portfolio at the moment. And my investment debt is all interest only. But at some stage, once that bad debt is paid off, mm. we do obviously want to reduce debt. I don't want to, in 10, 15, 20 years' time, still have the same debt levels that I currently have. So we do look at then debt minimization strategies. Um, not for everyone in terms of that complete structure, but I would say 90% of our clients were recommending that similarly. If they've got a, a principal place of residence, that's that's what I'm doing. That's a great that's what insight. we're recommending to our clients as well. That's a great insight because that's a really interesting trigger. And again, your personals, if you listen to this, your personal situation may be different or whatever. So this is this is an in principle kind of theory based discussion. But course. that's a really interesting because people might be thinking, oh, well, when? When do I pay it down? And that's a really good inflection point that you've pointed out for you personally. It's like, well, when my property investment portfolio has paid down all of my principal place of residence debt and I no yep. longer have any bad debt. At yep. that point, that would be the inflection point at which I would decide to pay down the um, the property investment debt. That's a really that's a really cool heuristic for people to be thinking about. I like yep. that. I like that a lot. Now, um, another interesting thing you said there though is about you wouldn't want to keep the same debt levels forever. And I would actually argue, why not? Right? Because, right now, uh, let's say let's just say in theory, right? You've bought yep. five properties on ninety percent LVR, right? On the day yep. that you bought them, right? And so, okay, so that's pretty high debt level on the property. But then fast forward 10 years or something like that, if you haven't continuously raked out all of the equity, the LVR on that property is probably going to be, I don't know, 30 40%, <laughs> maybe less, right? Correct. So the relative amount of debt that you have on those assets would be really, really low. And because I even remember Josh Frydenberg, um, you know, before the recent election, obviously, right, when he was talking about um, how to get the uh, debt levels nationally back on track. He wasn't talking about paying down the debt. He was talking about growing the economy. He's like, well, yep. all we need to do to lower the LVR basically is increase the value. So, And the same thing happens in your property, right? And the same yep. thing happens in your property. We've had the same thing happen, right? Our LVR keeps going down. Why? Because yep. our properties keep going up in value. So yep. in theory, right? In theory, why would you, like given a long enough time frame, 100 years or whatever, if you never paid down any of the debt, 
maybe you would end up with, I don't know, a 1% LVR. Like it would be so insignificant, it wouldn't matter, but it, you would technically still have the same amount of debt. So I'm wondering why that would, why that matters to you personally. Like what's your mindset on that? Well, hopefully I'm here in 100 years, Goose. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll do another podcast to uh, reflect Sounds on good. our... Uh, our commentary today. So, no, it is. I mean, it, it does depend on the client. Um, you are correct. Some people do not want to pay down debt levels. Some people do. You know, it's a mindset thing that you do. they don't want to have, you know, whether it's one, two, three million dollars in debt hanging over their actual head. Depending on the client strategy, some people may sell an investment property and then clear some of that debt as well, you know, to obviously get, you know, higher rental yields or, you know, it might be rental income for your, your retirement. So, yeah, in theory, what you're saying is correct. I guess the risk or the LVR profile, even if you're not paying that debt off mm. after your bad debt's paid off, it is still minimising that risk. So, yeah, it just, it just depends on the client, depends on the circumstances. So, depends on the end strategy, really. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. And from a, uh, like from a, like from a strategy perspective, let's talk about Let's talk about that. What do you think is the optimal kind of uh, strategy in the current in, in the current environment? Is it like buy as many properties as you can right now, let them all grow, and then sell some down, or like what do you personal opinion? Because every situation is different. But what do you reckon? Most clients are still in the accumulation stage, hmm. so yeah. I mean, you normally get, you'd probably talk better on this than myself, but yeah, looking at my own portfolio. You've got the accumulation stage. You're building yeah. your foundation property portfolio, and then it might be, you know, the hold stage, and then it might be, all right, what's the exit strategy stage, or do I pay down the debt stage, or do I sell a couple of properties stage? We just spoke about as well. So yeah. I honestly think it's still a good buying opportunity time. I'm still buying. I've got a set of one actually happening next month. Uh, this month, sorry. Um, so you know, I'm still in the market. That you know, hopefully that gives a few of our listeners a little bit of confidence that I'm still buying. You know, a few sort of mentors that I look up to, you know, they're still buying. It's good buying opportunities as well. So, all the smart money all the smart money still buying. All the I smart thought. money is this is where the professional investors come out. The mum and dads pull back from the market. The professional investors come out, nab some good bargains, and this is where they're going to reap the benefits in two, three, four years' time. I mean, historically, look at house price growth across Australia. I mean, there's a shortage of house um, housing supply. Um, you probably got the data on that um, immigration. Yeah, like I mean, we've had we've had records le- levels of um, sort of growth in the east coast in the last sort of twenty four months. But I mean, we that's with no immigration either. I mean, immigration is just starting to come back into the country as well. So yeah. there's all these drivers. Yes, interest rates are rising. Yeah, but still point to we had times. A, we had a deficit nationally of one hundred and forty four thousand houses before COVID. We were 144,000 houses short of what we needed, which is actually pretty significant, right? Yeah. And the other and then, point of that is, I mean, there's little incentives now for first-time buyers. I mean, the Labor government just got in. So that's going to bring a whole new, you know, whole new level of, I guess, clientele into the market. Where people can't, people can't build houses. They can't get the materials, right? Well, so, that's, that's the other point as well because, yeah, housing prices have gone up 20 30 40%. And a lot of our clients were building. I mean, the builders had to say due you know due to a shortage of supplies your house price has gone up so people are now putting their handbrake on building house prices what does that do yeah it puts pressure on a supply issue yeah and then obviously in turn you get that growth so yeah so i guess i mean every client circumstances is different but you know don't be alarmed by what you're reading in the media you know review portfolio um 
but it is still a good buying opportunity. I think that the people that, you know, lay the foundations down for their portfolio in the next 12, 18, 24 months are the ones that are going to reap the benefits in, you know, five, 10 years' time. Yeah, awesome. So let's do a quick recap. Let's do a quick recap yep. on this because I think there's some good stuff in there. So basically, yep. uh, interest rates have recently gone up and they're probably going to continue to go up, right? Yep. Um, your general modus operandi, again, caveat, every situation is different. Cool. So this isn't financial advice, right? But yep. ge- generally speaking, uh, you're suggesting it's, it's more advantageous to be on variable rather than fixed at the moment. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, generally speaking as well, you're suggesting interest only is going to be better, particularly if you've got bad debt to pay down, with bad debt being a principal place of residence. Correct. Uh, debt, yep. Or non-income producing, non-tax deductible debt, whatever whatever that may be to you, and just to, mm-hmm. and to pay that down. Um, and basically, and realistically, interest rate rises are probably going to be relatively transient. You know, like properties, property, if you're buying, if you're investing in property, you shouldn't be thinking in two-year cycles anyway. Correct. <laughs> Absolutely. Five and ten years, exactly, and uh, and realistically, yeah. interest rates is going to be relatively transient, probably drop in the next kind of two to three years anyway. Exactly. Yep. And Any keeping other- in mind, mm-hmm. oh sorry, go on, mate. No, go I was on. going. To, yeah, no, you go, go, go. No, I was going mind. to say the, the point we touched on at the start. I mean, the banks have already stress tested you three percent higher than you're actually paying, so they were already stress testing. They were forecasting, well, not forecasting, but they were factoring in if interest rates were to get to six six and a half percent. Can this client actually afford it? And the answer is, if you had your loan approved, it's yes. So totally. And the other, the other piece of that for investors, right? The other piece of that for investors is that, and we kind of touched on it really lightly, is that it, is yep. that rents are rising a lot, right? So uh, nationally, rents have risen by like ten uh, percent over the last ten uh, percent. They've risen on average ten percent over the last year. But in in actuality, right? In practice, uh, they've they've risen in many areas by up to twenty percent, which is crazy. So when you think about what that means in terms of serviceability, your capability to continue to borrow, the actual income impact of that, right? That doesn't mean that necessarily from an investor's perspective that, that investing is any less affordable uh, than, than it ever was, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Awesome. So a lot of those rent rises, I mean, they're, they're I guess, um, they're, I guess they're absorbing. They're absorbing, you know, any rate increase anyway. So, like, I know a lot of clients have bought in Queensland. I've seen rents jump eighty dollars a week for the yeah. same properties up there. So, it's going to take a good sort of one to sort of one point two, one point three percent, you know, interest rate rise for you to actually be behind, you know, given those rate, given those um, rent rent increases, I should say. So, hundred percent, mate. I love it. We've covered a lot of ground here today. I've actually really enjoyed this episode. It's good. Debunked a few <laughs> things about the stuff, isn't it, Goose? <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I, lo- I love it. Right, my, I, I, one of my, it's one of my favorite topics is like interest rates of property because people just they just don't get it, and the media says one thing, and the, the truth is just like the basically the complete opposite. And so I think it's been really good getting your perspective on specifically on like how to navigate this, how to be thinking about it, uh, all yep. of that kind of stuff. I think that's really good because you know most of. Most of it's a mindset game, you know, like property investing is a game of finance, but, you know, success is all one in the mind, right? And so, yep. you know, how you navigate the way you think about your environment and the decisions you make is going to dictate how successful you are in life and what your future looks like. And this is another example of being able to, of, of the, the need to be able to cut through the noise and be able to have a really good mindset as you go through this kind of period, because it could be, could be quite, quite scary for some people. So Absolutely. Yeah. So don't panic. I won't say don't read the media, but don't read. I mean, the pay, 
the papers they sell papers by you know alarming alarming leads it leads yeah absolutely absolutely so don't don't read everything don't believe everything you read in the paper you know review your portfolio it's a good time to check is my loan or are my loans structured in the best possible way which is what we discussed obviously earlier you know reach out to your broker reach out to your banker am i doing things in the right way you know which right maybe i'm on a higher variable rate at a different bank can i you know negotiate with my current lender can i refinance there's obviously a lot of incentives to refinance some banks offering three and four thousand dollar incentives to move banks so yeah don't panic good buying opportunity in my opinion over the next sort of you know 15 18 24 months um and then i think we'll start to see interest rates then start to come back down after that time period so. Totally. Well, I actually think what an exciting, what an exciting time to be, what, be alive. I think it's all of this is really fun. So, Chris, mate, I've loved it. Thanks so much. And if anyone wants to reach out to you directly, get some, what you know, wants to wants to connect with you or the team, and 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 maybe get some advice on the, on their current situation. How do they do that? Yeah, unconditional finance uh, based in Sydney, service clients all over Australia. So, unconditionalfinance.com.au or Chris at unconditionalfinance.com.au. Um, reach out. More than happy to uh you know give our thoughts and give our expert advice and yeah look forward to chatting again goose and just quickly what's your uh what's your pick for next tuesday rba uh i think the cash rate's going to go up yeah i think i think the cash rate's going to go up um but again i would i think that people need to keep that in context right and it kind of touched on it at the start like the current cash rate 0.35 percent and i remember when it got to 3.5% on the way down and people were freaking out going, oh my God, it can't go any lower. This is just crazy. So to your point, even if it does go at 25 basis points or even 40 basis points, right, which would be 0.4% would be up to uh, 0.75%. We'd still be below the, we'd still be below the 1% uh, cash rate. And that cost of capital is just, it's just like it, it is crazy cheap. Like it yeah. is ridiculously cheap um, on a global historical basis. So yeah. Um, yeah, I personally think it's going to go up, but I actually, I, I kind of couldn't care less. Like, no. <laughs> like I don't want to sound, no. I don't want to sound too blase about it, but um, I'm not a, I'm not a homeowner, and I'm not planning on to be a, being a homeowner anytime soon. I like rent vesting. I like the optionality, and yep. I'm a property investor, and yep. I see more upside than downside, and. Uh, for all of the people that it, ne- it negatively impacts, I feel I feel sorry for those people, and I don't wish that you know I don't want any any bad badness or anything. I Absolutely. kind of like I'm like yeah, cool, great, let's let's have at it because what I care about is a healthy, sustainable economy, right? Correct. And a healthy, sustainable economy has to have checks and balances, and we have to do things at different points of time. Sometimes it's cut the cash rate, stimulate growth, and sometimes it's increase the cash rate to slow growth down a little bit. And that's all, it's like driving a car. You can't put the foot to the accelerator the whole time. Sometimes you've got to brake to go around a corner. But I don't, yep. I, I, I'm, yeah, I think it's going to go up. But what do you think? I agree. I agree. But I mean, just quickly, just before we do finish, I mean, even 0.4%, even if it does go that high, you know, the average sort of investment lands around that $500,000 mark. That's only a sort of $100, $110 extra per month, $25 a week extra, which is all tax deductible. And in most occasions, your, your recent rent rises would have absorbed mm. that increase. So it's not doom and gloom. So yeah, we don't want to see bad on anyone out there. Um, if you're struggling, there, e- there is means to speak to banks and, you know, um, you know, there's financial hardship and stuff like that. But for investors, it's to me, it's minimal impact. Even if they go aggressively, which I don't think they will, 0.4%, I think personally, they'll go 0.25%. But yeah, it's minimal impact, $25 a week increase. 
to your exactly. payments. That's I it. Couldn't- I couldn't agree more. And it's great to put some actual numbers to it there as well. So thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Mate, I've loved it. Loved having you on. Let's do it again soon. Thanks for your time.